You're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you'll learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Rosenberg. And I'm excited today to bring with a, uh, we have a new guest on, Katie Horner. I hope I said that right. You'll correct me in a moment, Katie, if I said it wrong. Um, Katie and her husband live in Mexico. They are um, able to live abroad thanks to some online businesses, and they're doing some great community work down there. And I'm really excited to have Katie on to hear her story. I, I know a little bit about it, but we're going we're gonna to be learning this together, listeners, you and I, because um, I don't know Katie as well as some guests we've had before. But I'm so thrilled to have her on. So say hi, Katie. Hello. I'm glad to be here today, Eric. So thank you so much for coming on. So to start, you know, can you give us a little bit about the background? Who is Katie? And how did you end up living in Mexico doing community work? And, and how did you end up as an online entrepreneur? Oh, that's kind of a loaded question. Have you got all day? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we let's just say Katie Horner has always had a desire to live abroad, um, has always had a desire to be involved in community work or mission work to the fact that it was it was very hard for me to come to the point where I would have been willing to stay in the U.S. if if that's what you know, the Lord had planned for my life. But have I really, spent, really wanted to live overseas ever spent, since I was small. Had you spent any time living outside the United States before your current move to Mexico? Like, did you do a semester abroad or a gap year or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Um, before we moved here, I think all of my overseas or out of the U.S. trips totaled like almost four years of time. Wow, that's awesome. So, any favorite places uh, you went? When I was 12, my family took a mission trip to Ecuador, to the Quito area and up in the mountains beyond. And that that's one that sticks out in my mind forever. Um, another one was Puerto, Puerto Rico that really wowed me. I and of course, Rico. Mexico. That's Mexico is what I always came back to. It's where my heart was. I love, I love, I could, I could live in Puerto Rico. Actually, before my wife and I got married, I told her, I was like, you know, I could live here. Do you want to move to Puerto Rico? Maybe it's still America technically, but it's got, <laughs> I love the culture there. It's got such a, that life, that lively, you know, Latin vibe and the food and the people and the music and the dancing and, um, the Bacardi factory doesn't hurt. It's such a fun place. And, um, so I totally get that. Ecuador, I would love to get to. It's, it's on my list. We, um, we're actually talking about a South America trip um, this year. We like to take a big trip every year, but we have been leaning against the Caribbean and South America due to mosquitoes carrying certain viruses uh, that, that impede growing families. So we're looking at Asia this time, but hopefully they'll get that Zika thing under control and we'll we'll get down all through South America. Yeah, we've we've had Zika. It's not as bad as the media makes it out to be. Yeah, you, you survived it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did. It's a, it's once once I think we're totally done having kids, I think that would be the point the windows open, but since we know there's still some some probable little ones in the future, it's uh Yeah, better makes be us safe nervous. Than yeah, but uh Ecuador, I want to stand on Did you get to stand on the equator? Yes, I did. That's yes, awesome. I did. If you <laughs> I feel like if I did that, I'd have to like I don't know, have like a 
a bottle of water or something and pour half on one side and pour half on the other or something. I don't right, know. right. You're like, this is going north and this is going south. I grew up in Colorado, so we had the Continental Divide go right through Colorado. So that way, you know, if you pour it on the, le- the east side or the west side, it'd go to a different ocean. I guess it doesn't yeah. really work like that with the equator, but in my head, it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you did these travels. You uh, went to Mexico. You went all over the world. You went to South America, uh, Ecuador. You ended up back in Mexico. What was it that really stuck out in Mexico and made that feel like home to you? I love the people and I love the culture. And I just, my heart kept getting drawn back here over and over again. And I actually was going to come to Mexico before I met my husband. I wasn't, my friends laughed at me because I wasn't interested in dating anyone who wasn't headed back to Mexico. So, um, (laughs) when you know what you want, that's, uh, you got to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So then after my husband and I met and married, I finished grad school. We paid off debt. And then we started um, to raise our support to come back to Mexico and, and do mission work. So where in Mexico did you land and how did you pick that area? Well, originally we started working in the state of Sonora, which is right underneath of Arizona. And so we were about three hours in from the States and we were working at a, a Bible college in support roles. And we were there uh, almost three years. And then we moved across the complete other side of the country to Campeche, where we are now, which is at the very bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. We're on the the inside part of the peninsula where Cancun is on the outside. So we're about six hours. Cancun, I know. I've been there. Six hours (laughs) from Cancun. Yeah, six hours west of Cancun. But what so, could you describe it? What's what's life like there? Is it you know for people who don't aren't familiar? Is it like a big city? Is it like small towns? Is it? Well, we're rural? on the we're on the coast, so we have about a three mile boardwalk in town because they they built they've actually built the city built the land out into the ocean in order to create this boardwalk about twenty twenty years ago. That's pretty cool. Um, it's very old colonial town. Um, it was the first. First people who were not native landed here back in like 1515. So we actually have the oldest Catholic church on the continent in our state. Wow, that's cool. And then uh, the walled city back in the days of the pirate attacks, there's still legends about that. We have forts up on either hill around the city where it's our our city. And I believe the one in Puerto Rico in um, the main capital city in Puerto Rico is they're like two of the very, there's very few walled cities left in the Caribbean and ours is one of them. So yeah, I did um, not know that's down there. That sounds like a place I need to come visit. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's kind of a hidden treasure for tourists. We get a lot of Europeans because the, the rich European history that's here, but a lot of the North American people don't really know that it exists. So the farthest I got off the beaten path, I took a trip it was a couple of years ago, we were staying, and we weren't in Cancun. We were near, closer to Playa del Carmen, but not in town in that area. And we went to Tulum and some of the like really big, famous um, historic sites there. And yes. The one that I really loved, we got a little farther off the beaten path and got into Coba. And Coba was uh, it was fantastic. It's beautiful down there. The uh, yeah. history, and it's I've been there twice now. Once I went with my dad, like. I don't know, five, six years ago. And then I went again with my wife's family just in the last couple of years and they've uncovered so much. It's amazing. The, the 
archaeologists are working so hard in Mexico and they're unearthing so much history that, that we had no idea was there. They actually thought, I found out the big, uh, the big pyramid at Coba they thought was a mountain. They had no idea it was a pyramid for years and years. And then they dug in through like feet of jungle dirt and debris that had grown over it in the last you know, hundreds, thousands of years. And there was a pyramid underneath in, in excellent condition. So it's, uh, it was fun. I love that. And yeah, it's fascinating. So it's, so you, when you moved to Mexico, it sounds like you had, uh, you had jobs, um, working for the church or for, for school that allowed you to make the move. You also have your online businesses, which it sounds mm-hmm. like are supporting what you're doing now. At yes. what point did you start the online businesses? Was it before you moved or after you moved? No, initially we came supported um, through donations of of people in the church, and that's how we were uh, being able to minister full time. Um, when we moved to Campeche, it was originally to work at a children's home, and then we transitioned more into a local church outreach type ministry, uh, where we have a mission church now and English classes and Bible clubs and community outreach and that sort of thing. But uh, after we'd been here a couple of years, is when the economic crisis in the states hit and a lot of people started retre- retreating or <laughs> or you know being more concerned about keeping their dollars at home because of their own economical situation and our our the the support that we had for what we were doing started to go down and so we were at the point where we realized you know if we don't start doing something to bring in an income on our own we're not going to be able to stay here long term and so it was at that point that we began to work on the businesses, which was about four or five years ago. So when you decided that, what what did you know about starting a business? Were you like, I'm going to go on the internet and start a website? Did you read some <laughs> books and resources? Uh, what was that startup process I, like for your first well, project? In, initially, well, it's never been just one thing. I'm just that kind of a person. That sounds familiar. I call it shiny object syndrome, where I see <laughs> shiny things. I'm like, oh, I want to do that too. And I, right, right. At one so point, I had like 20 to... websites. It was crazy. I, I've, I've been able to uh, consolidate a little bit. It sounds like we're kindred spirits. <laughs> yes, definitely. I I have a master's degree in education, and we were going to homeschool our own children. And we started looking at a literature-based curriculum and then realized that there was others around us who needed to have a curriculum like that. So that was the first business is that we we created a homeschool curriculum for preschool through sixth grade that's completely in Spanish. The teacher's guides and the books and everything is completely in Spanish. Well, I love that. We didn't write all the textbooks. We don't even use many textbooks. It's more we compiled books that are already in print into a literature-based education program. I think that's so, such a um, you know, fascinating and important takeaway for listeners. What you built came out of your education. It came out of what you already knew and were good at. Having a master's in teaching led to a teaching program. And similarly, my background's in finance. I write and talk about personal finance. So right. people should should think about that when they're looking to start a business. You didn't start and and have success writing about rocket science because you're a teacher. And that's what you wrote about and, and worked on. Right. So that's... Uh, right. And we were looking looking to the future, too, which is another good takeaway, is that we were ahead of the curve. Homeschooling in Mexico and in Spanish communities around the world is about 30 years behind the homeschool movement in the U.S., but we knew the boom was coming. So, in other words, today's homeschool graduates are the first homeschool graduates in Mexico, but they're going to be married and have kids soon that they're going to want to homeschool. 
And so we were trying to get everything set up in advance of the boom that we knew was coming based on what we'd observed in our own childhood in the United States. And that's great. Were there a lot of, were there other competing programs or were you kind of the pioneer in Spanish uh, language literature based home education? As far as we know to date, there is no other literature-based program in Spanish. That's awesome. Um, there are only about five or six programs that we know of total that's available in the Spanish language, but ours is the only one that's literature-based. So that's a uh, that's such a huge market. It's the, the biggest languages in the world that are most widely spoken. You know, Chinese, Spanish, English. There, right? By by filling a gap of such a widely spoken language. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a brilliant idea. There's you know, right. continents of people who speak it. So right. I love that. So is that, so that was, is that your that primary the business? That's we started with, it's at lemonhaas.com. Um, and then we also started a homeschool, an English language homeschool blog about the same time at paradisepraises.com. So that they have kind of grown together. Okay. Um, and Paradise Praises now offers family, homeschool, travel, um, type information as well as products. And, um, one of our, one of our biggest products there has been our milk, the Christmas monkey, um, an advent kids activities, um, book and, and stuffed animals. So and who doesn't love monkeys? <laughs> I know, right? It was kind of, um, it was kind of a reaction to the elf on the shelf. We, we wanted to give our kids more long-term value from holiday activities and just having fun and being mischievous. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of how milk came about. But, and so then two years into it, you know, at the beginning I said, honey, if I ever get to where I fully understand what I'm doing and we can make this business work, I want to teach other people how to find the freedom that we've found with income stability through online business. And so then in uh, 2014, we started uh, comoblog.com. Como is Spanish for how to. And we'll actually be rebranding soon to bloggingsuccessfully.com. But um, that's when I started the coaching and the membership to help others who had small businesses or hobby blogs be able to really monetize them and, and get to the point where they can have the freedom that we found through that stable online income. So does your... Does your your business income grew to a point that it's now supporting you living in Mexico? I know the the cost of living in Mexico is, is a bit lower than in the United States. If you were to decide in the future you wanted to move back or move somewhere else, is the income from these businesses enough to support you to live anywhere pretty much? Well, anywhere is kind of hard to say because there is such a big fluctuation in like standard of living. Places like London and Tokyo yeah. I know are crazy expensive, um, but well, let's depending say many places. On, depending <laughs> on where we went in the States, it would be considered a full-time income there as well. Um, but at this point, we don't have any plans of going anywhere else. We've, we've bought an old 250-year-old colonial house that we're restoring here and pretty much plan to, to home base from here. Sounds like an awesome project. Could, could, would you talk more about the house? How did you find the, the 250-year-old house and, and, <laughs> and come to own that? Um, well, we have four of our children that were born in Mexico, so they're dual citizens. And so residents, even though we have residency here, uh, foreigners are not allowed to own property within so many miles of the coast or the border. Huh. Uh, but we can be 
what do they call it? Like guardians or whatever for the property that is in our child's name. Okay. And so we were we were able to purchase property that way. So and, it's your kid's um, house and, and you're lucky enough they let you to live there? <laughs> sort of, yes. <laughs> um so that's that's how that came about. Um this we just loved this house. We looked at it a few years ago and when the time was right it was still available and we've been able to move in and start working on it and we're really trying to restore we found out more history since we've been in the house than we were able to find out ahead of time because it was owned by the grandson of the original well, I don't even know if they were the original owners, but he didn't know much history of the house. And so since we've been in the house, we've been able to learn more history and really find out more about how old it was and, and more information on the historical side of things. That's so, really fun. You know, I, live in a, uh, I live in an apartment building that was built this last year. So the history yeah. here is, is about zero. But uh, yeah, No, the stone, walls, <laughs> the stone walls are two feet thick. We got 14-foot ceilings with old original wooden beams like before, before electricity days. Wow. And uh, yeah, we're hoping we're hoping to be able to eventually turn it into a to a tourist rental or a bed and breakfast type of thing, so that it continues to bring in some income long term. That's great. Yeah, there's uh, where I live. It's actually it's in um, right I'm uh, maybe a half a mile, quarter mile from the from the beach in Southern California, and we're right by you know just a few blocks from one of the old adobes from one of the old you know ranches in the area. And we've driven out and visited. There's one that's in really good condition still. It sounds like it has some similarities to your uh, your house. It's I don't know if it's quite 250 years old, but it's, uh, <laughs> it has those really thick walls around it and inside. And uh, I think they restored a lot of those wood beams, but there's still a lot of uh, you know exposed wooden beams and supports in the ceilings and, and the porches. It's um, I'm picturing your home and, and it sounds beautiful and uh, like a wonderful place to be. So do yeah, you... Do you uh, do you travel quite a bit? Do you travel doing your missionary work, or are you pretty much you know at home working most of the time? Um, we like to be at home, but we like to travel as well, and whenever possible, take the kids along. Um, we have five children that we homeschool, so it's a lot of um, plane tickets anytime you want to go. Right, <laughs> right. So they're they're on a rotation. If you know, we take turns going to the homeschool conventions to take our materials or to speak and. Uh, I also speak at blogging events and women's events. So you know, we take take turns. Whose turn is it to go this time? You know, and then the other parent gets to stay with the rest of the kids. But um, we do we do do quite a bit of traveling. Where are some some fun places you've gone in the last year or so? Uh, this year I was in Texas for a blogging event. I was in Ohio for a blogging event. I was in Florida for a retreat that I co-run with my friend Jen Ranieri from shinedigitalmarketing.com. So then we've also spoken like in Mexico City and we've been to homeschool conferences in three or four different cities in Mexico. Spoke at FPEA, which is a, the largest homeschool event in the U.S. That was in May in Florida. So yeah, we, we stay pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. So what you know, tell me more about it. If you co-run a conference, it sounded like you said Florida, I think this year. Well, tell me yeah. more about the conference. How did that come to be? Jen is Jen started out as an unlikely friend. She was one of those people that you don't initially hit it off with and later find out that you really are kindred spirits. <laughs> and um, she and I uh, host a retreat, a Christian women's writing retreat. And um, we're trying to do it twice a year. 
So we had one this year in April, and we have another one coming up November 11 to 13th near Tampa, Florida. And it's a very small, intimate retreat, about 20, 25 women. And we get together for the weekend, and we have some praise and worship time. And then we also have some instructional time with blogging or writing or publishing and one-on-one time with the instructors and speakers that we bring in and just a time to, to get away and really refresh and refocus on your business and, and where the Lord's taking it. How many of these have you had so far? The one in November will be our second, okay. and we have plans uh, already for 2017 for another one or two. Great. So when, when you had the, the idea for this, how did was it your idea? Was it your partner's idea? How did it come to fruition? It wasn't... This obviously doesn't happen by accident that you show up with uh, with twenty people in Florida one day. No, no, we um, there was quite a bit of planning and praying and marketing that went into it. And she, we both had the desire for an event and to get get girlfriends together for a focused time like that. And you know, we just finally got to the point where we said, okay, well, we just need to make a date and go for it. And then she was able to find the retreat center through a friend of hers, and it just all lined up. So. And it was a success. You had pe- people showed up and, and had a good time. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Everyone loved it. We had sponsors for food and um, some of the gifts for things and the speakers. And it was just a really, really good time. So That's amazing. It's um, the way that uh, how I ended up really doing what I'm doing now for my full-time living was because of a conference. And it started just because someone had an idea like that. A guy who's um, who's now one of my good friends named Phil Taylor, who I'd I'd heard of because of his blog, PT Money. Um, decided to have a financial blogging conference and, and Finicon oh, yeah. was born. And that is how... Yeah, um, I, just, I just interviewed him for my upcoming podcast. Oh, <laughs> we used to be in a mastermind group together. So I know him very, awesome. very well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so so Fincon, that's, that's my big... Uh, it wouldn't be a personal profitability podcast episode unless I mentioned it at least once. So <laughs> My wife gets tired of hearing about it. So it's like this year-round thing I'm talking about the next FinCon. I'm already planning for next year. It's, uh, <laughs> it's fun. So, um, so what's it when you when you started building your businesses online? How much did you know about web design and online marketing? Was it a um, was it something you're, when you decided to start your your curriculums? Were you thinking, you know, I'm going to sell these mostly in person? I'm going to travel around to different parts of Mexico and sell them? Did you mm-hmm. think online first? And how did you learn to build the website, or did you outsource that? I had been dabbling in blogging since 2007 with a family blog when we first moved to Mexico. So I already had a little bit of of that kind of background knowledge. Uh, We knew that the curriculum needed to be mainly, mainly well marketed online because we weren't going to have a lot of resources at first to be able to travel and promote. And so we were going to rely heavily on online marketing and so the websites we we did ourselves, we learned as we went, we improved, we purchased a few hours of someone's help as we needed it. And that's that's pretty much how we've we've done all of our websites to date. So are they WordPress? What's what's your platform? Yes. yes, WordPress and then we use lead pages and ConvertKit. ConvertKit are are those do you have any other favorite tools that you use to uh to run and, and build your online business? Uh, lead pages and ConvertKit are definitely game changers. Highly recommend those. WordPress is just like 
a no brainer. That's the, that's what everyone's using today. Right. And can't have a website with, I mean, you can have a website without WordPress, but I don't know why you would. Right, right. <laughs> so then as far as the other tools, I think that just comes into streamlining things and systems and stuff like that. So I love the Voxer app for communicating with my team. Um, we do have. So I don't know. Uh-huh, that one. Boxer. How, how does that one? V O X X E R? V O X E R. It's an app on your phone and it's kind of like the old walkie talkie idea. Okay. Um, you press a button and talk and it sends an immediate voice message to whoever you're sending it to or you can do it to a group. You can set up a group on there and then they can, if, if they have it open, it'll play automatically or they can listen when they have time and then respond. But I like it so much better than texting or email because I can hear the voice and the tone inflection. And, you know, I know if my team is stressing out, I know if, if this is a question, I can hear the urgency, you know, and, and they get the same from me. And so that's been really, really helpful for, for communication with the team. Right. So as you expanded, I, I'm guessing when you started, it was just you and your husband working on this together. So over time, your your audience grew, your, your sales grew, and it sounds like you have a, a good team around you now. At what point did you start to bring on help and how did that evolve to where you are today? I started to bring on help initially for um, Lemon Haas for the, the Spanish curriculum. I met a woman at a, a homeschool conference and she was, she had seen our curriculum online, was just as excited about it as we were and just blew me away. But she she eventually came on to help with our social media for that. She's a native Spanish speaker, so that took care of my all of my editing editing goof ups. <laughs> and Spanish, she, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm are you fluent at this point living there? Yes, I'm fluent, but I in writing I still have those little. You sound like you know, an American. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I say it the wrong way. So she really knows how to communicate more conversationally, and it's natural for her. So. She came on initially to edit blog posts and then has taken over some of the social media and now is helping some with customer service as well. And she's she's actually gone in our place to a couple of events for us as a vendor. So she's just been a huge, huge help. And then we also had translators that came on on part-time basis for different projects. And then we've had editors and project managers. And so our we have probably 10 or 12 people that we call on on time from time to time for different things. And then I have three people that are pretty much on a, a standard so many hours a month. And are, are those, you know, are they part-time or full-time or what, what they're, level? They're still, they're still part-time at this point, but we have a, you know, a recurring package. They know they can count on so many hours for me every month. What types of tasks do you outsource? Is it mostly that translation? Do you have any other marketing and, and web design stuff that you outsource? Or how much do you handle yourself and how much do you send to other people? I have um, one of the girls that's a regular um, is in charge of editing and some social media for one of our sites. And then an, another girl is a project manager. And so she handles a lot of email and a lot of task designation and keeping things on schedule and all of that sort of thing, which is extremely helpful. Uh, I still do a lot of the writing, a lot of the planning and promotion. I do all the email writing. 
I do a lot of the graphic design myself still. I have hired out some logos and different things that uh, were not that I, I needed done and didn't have the time to do or or didn't feel like I was getting as professional as I wanted with it. So, yeah, so that's that's where we are. And then the translation, when we have translation projects that are larger projects, I usually hire them out as well. So when you found those those people to help you, how did you find them? Were they people you already knew? Did you use an online platform like like Upwork used to be Odesk and Elance or uh, Fiverr? What, what was that process like? And how did you... I'm, I'm, I'm guessing along the way you found some people that didn't work out as well, some that worked better. What was it like weeding through the uh, the different people that, to help you and work with you? Uh, most of them have come from word of mouth recommendations or people that I worked with or uh, I would see them advertise that they were looking for more clients or something and I had a project that fit that and said, well, hey, let's give you a, give it a shot. I have done a few things on Fiverr, but usually that's more like if I need if I need a big set of graphic quotes done, but often there's only certain, of you know, those you get in a big bulk and then you got to sift through and see what you can really use or not. Right. I've done... I have done... Um, intros and outros for videos or, or uh, short ad videos on Fiverr. So, but the majority of like the people that I actually am still using today was through personal recommendations or people that we knew that had those skills. And, and um, so, so as you're planning and building, what do you see in the future? Do you, are you going to, you know, I'm guessing you're going to keep on trucking with this curriculum, try to expand it. Are you adding new curriculums what do you see as your as your future growth plans and opportunities? The curriculum is growing, um, and we're having to do revisions already uh, because of books that are going in and out of print. So we do plan to keep up with that. We have eight grade levels, preschool through sixth grade. We are not planning to extend into high school at this point because the future of ebooks and digital curriculum is so unknown yet. Okay. Small children still need books in their hands, but uh, the older you get digital is more of an option mm-hmm. and so we don't we don't know we don't want to create a whole curriculum that's going to be obsolete in a year so that makes sense we're going to keep keep promoting lemon Haas definitely as that continues to grow and continue with the coaching and the blog membership where i'm being able to influence people on a one-on-one basis and group coaching and things like that and then Paradise praises as well. So as this continues to grow, our our goal, our definition of success is to have businesses that bring in enough, not a definite money um, dollar amount, but that bring in enough to provide for our family and what the Lord has called us to do. So we would love to be able to travel and promote homeschooling and offer education conferences for homeschool families and, and bloggers that is completely paid for by the business. Oh, that'd be, that would be very cool if you could, if you could, uh, you know, give away more and, and help and reach more people. Um, right, right. Yeah, so, so, so a lot of families, a lot of families sacrifice already for the education. So if if you can provide the training for free, because the curriculum and the materials are paying for that, then you know that would be our our goal ultimately. So how how does the the coaching and the one on one work with with clients and readers and, and your community, how does that fit into the whole greater package? Well, um, the coaching is through the blogging uh, website, comoblog.com or bloggingsuccessfully.com. 
And I have, I have a membership site where I have a whole library full of resources and video trainings and things like that, classes that I've put together that's at their disposal. But the bigger value of that is the community that people find in the private Facebook group and the access to me all the time. But we also do a weekly group coaching session. So either a video interactive training or I'll have office hours where they can call me with their five minute question and really get that one-on-one help. And then for those that want to take it up a notch, I do have a limited number of private coaching clients that I meet with on a weekly basis to get them you know, wherever it is that they want to be in their business. That's great. So it sounds like you have, you're kind of, you're at the hub and you have three brands that are, that are your core brands. And from that, you have quite a few income streams running. Um, do you find that that diversity in income streams is, is beneficial? Have you ever seen one drop and the others able to, you know, pick up the slack? Or do you see sometimes you ever feel overstretched and like you're getting distracted by having too many things going on? I do feel sometimes that we have a shotgun experience where we're just all over the board. But um, overall, we see how it all works together. If you have, if you have Hispanic families who want to homeschool, more than likely they're going to be depending on one income to do that. So they're going to want to bring in extra income, which is where the blogging training comes in. For the bloggers um, who are English language bloggers that I'm able to coach and mentor, that's another, another ministry outlet. And it all provides for us to stay here and do what we do here locally in ministry. So it all works together, even though sometimes it is kind of crazy keeping all the balls in the air. And that's where the team comes into and really helps a lot. So that sounds, and it sounds great. So when you look at, when you look at yourself, do you think of yourself like your own boss or do you feel like you're kind of like the CEO of this company that has multiple different things going on? And do you see as you progress, do you think you're going to bring on more help and build that way? Or do you want to kind of keep it the size that you're able to really run things day to day? I'm very hands-on, but I love having a team to be able to delegate to. So I think, I don't know that we're done growing, but I think that uh, we're not going to ever be huge because I like to have the personal interaction with my clients and with my readers is still very important to me. So the, you know, the customer service, the answering those personal emails from readers, the, the coaching time, really being able to influence other people with a personal relationship. Those real life connections are, are huge and they're so important. I don't ever want to get to the point where I see people as numbers or as a business. I still want to see people as people. No, that's, that's a great philosophy. And there's, I, I was saying, there's no right or wrong way to do a business. There's just what's right for you. And with you, it sounds like you've been able to find this amazing intersection where you're able to, you know, follow, have your faith be a part of your business. Your, um, you know, religion is, is core and center in everything you're doing. And at the same time, you're able to help people. You're able to afford a living for your family and you get to live where you want. So it's like you got the best of everything, right? <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> and, and my awesome husband is, is not in the limelight, but he's behind everything we do. He's my major tech support and my, um, I, I tend to be a little bit more dramatic and he's more common sense and down to earth. And he's, he's more the president and I'm the CEO, I think. Uh, he keeps, uh, he keeps you from going off the rails a little too much. I, I have the same here. My wife, I bounce, she's my sounding board. 
I, I'm my tech guy, but um, she is my <laughs> she is my make sure I don't start too many new projects and don't go don't go too crazy. And uh, and she's my editor too. So um, you know, having a supportive spouse when you're running an online business like this is is key. If if, if you're if you're married, if you're not married. And I guess you're probably out partying a lot because you can live wherever you want in the world, make all this money, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my big dream. I thought I'm going to make all this money and I'm going to travel the world. And uh, by the time I started making enough money to to do this full time, I was already married. But but we still had plenty of fun. Um, you can still travel the world. Oh, totally. We we had um, we have a, a daughter who's almost a year old, and when she was six months old, we moved from Portland to California and took her to London and Paris. So she's already a uh, been she's already lived in multiple states and is a world traveler. And at one point she'd actually it, I did I added up all the states she'd been to including changing planes and she'd been to more states than she'd been months old until she yeah. was I think 9 months old. So that was a uh, right. was kind of fun. I don't know if I can keep up with that. I, I think she <laughs> got to no be quite a road trip to uh, get to uh, more states. <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been great. This has been so much fun learning about what you do, how you're able to help people, how you've been able to build your business. If people want to come connect with you, if they want to find you online, where should they go? Well, I am on most social medias as Katie Horner. So Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter is Katie underscore Horner. So, and then my websites are lemonhaas.com, paradisepraises.com, and bloggingsuccessfully.com, which is coming soon. You know, I find it so frustrating when someone has your name on Twitter or on a social media platform. Like, there's like a dozen Eric Rosenbergs in the world, and another one got the Twitter one and has never tweeted anything. It's just like yeah. sitting there, and, and someday I hope that uh, Twitter will, will let me have my own name. And they need to create a way to petition for those or something. Yeah, like if it were active and being used, I'd get it. Like, cool other Eric Rosenberg, you beat me to it. But uh, but it's just sitting there. It's like, ah, so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the world of uh, of social media and the internet and, uh, and yeah. trying to claim your real estate. Well, yeah. great. Thank I you. Also ha- I also have a free Facebook group um, for bloggers that I forgot to mention, which oh, is great. It's called Paradise Bloggers. Great. So if you search that on Facebook, you're welcome to join that as well. Well, everyone, go check out Paradise Bloggers and comoblog.com. Get connected. Learn all the things that Katie's up to. Uh, it's a beautiful website. And, and now you know her. She's super fun. And then she's um, living living her dream and, and making the world a better place and doing so in line with her values, which is really nice to, to hear people doing something that's not you know just chasing a buck. They're doing it to make the world a better place at the same time. I, I love that. And uh, encourage everyone who has an opportunity to give back. So thank you so much, Katie. Thank you so much, listeners. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around to the end. As always, if you love the show, please take a moment. Go to iTunes. Leave it a five-star rating. If you don't think I earned five stars because this show wasn't quite awesome enough, send me an email, ericapersonalprofitability.com. Let me know what you think I can do better and what you want to learn about and how you can enhance your personal profitability because I want to know. That's what I want to help with. That's what we're here for. So thank you, everyone, once again for being a part of it. As always, I'm Eric Rosenberg. And until next time... Stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend. 